0: Our reading this morning comes from Leviticus chapter 14. In Leviticus 14, we read about the laws for the cleansing of lepers. And we'll read this as background for our sermon this morning from Mark 1, verses 40 to 45. So we'll read, first of all, from Leviticus 14, page 109. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then if the case of the leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop, and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. And after that, he may come into the camp, but live outside his tent seven days. And on the seventh day, he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard, and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and he shall be clean." On the eighth day he shall take two male lambs without blemish and one ewe lamb a year old without blemish and a grain offering of three tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil and one log of oil. And the priest who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed and these things before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering along with the log of oil and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall kill the lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering and the burnt offering, in the place of the sanctuary. For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, on the big toe of his right foot. Then the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand, and dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand, and sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And some of the oil that remains in his hand, the priest shall put on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on top of the blood of the guilt offering. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed, then the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him, who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. As far as reading from Leviticus 14, let us now turn to the New Testament, to Mark chapter 1. On page nine hundred ninety four, let us begin reading from Mark one, verse twenty one. Mark one, verse twenty one. And they, that is, Jesus and his disciples, went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. For he taught them, not as the scribes, sorry. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere. Throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother in law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Then our text for this morning. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him. And said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. That's part of the word of God. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the text that we have before us this morning is one of the stories that Mark has recounted for us of the beginning of the earthly ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter one, we see that Christ begins his ministry by proclaiming the gospel of God throughout all the region of Galilee, preaching and teaching in the synagogues. We also see that his teaching is accompanied by demonstrations of healing, casting out demons to show that he, Jesus, to show that he had come with authority. We can see this from the amazement of those who witnessed these things in verse 27. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, who is this? A new teaching with authority he commands even unclean spirits, and they obey him. In his authority in preaching and teaching, Christ showed that he was truly a prophet sent from God. And it is in light of this, in light of the fact that Christ was revealing himself as a prophet, that the Holy Spirit records for us this story of Jesus' cleansing of a leper to reveal to us that Christ, our Messiah, was not just anointed as our chief prophet and teacher, but also as our great high priest. And so I proclaim to you the word of God this morning under the following theme. Jesus reveals himself as our great high priest by cleansing a leper. And in developing this theme, we'll look at three things. First, the plea for cleansing. Secondly, we'll see the power for cleansing. And third, the proof of cleansing. So for our first point, the plea for cleansing. In Mark's typical fashion, this story begins quite abruptly. He does not give much explanation. He does not give a lot of details where this takes place or who this leper is. All we know is that somewhere in Galilee, an unnamed leper comes to Jesus. Now we don't have much details, but the shock of this opening line is lost on us when we hear the word leper we don't quite hear it the same way as someone living in the first century for them to hear the word leper would bring to mind ghastly images of a living breathing and walking dead man It would be a a horrifying disease to have, a disease that in the ancient world was so often associated with death and decay because of the grotesque appearance of those who carried it. As their skin rotted away, it was covered with spots and boils which ate away at their flesh. As their nose disappeared so that there was only holes left in their face. And as their fingers died off, so they were only left with stubs for hands. For an Israelite to meet a leper, was to look death in the face. The suffering of the leper, however, was not just in the physical effects of the disease. The worst part about being a leper was receiving the declaration from the priest, unclean. For a person in Israel to be unclean was to be an outcast in the covenant community. To be shut out from the people of God. Unable to have communion and fellowship with their fellow believers. And worse yet, unable to have communion and fellowship with God. Unable to participate in the sacrifices and and offerings. Unable to draw near to the sanctuary of the Lord. They were shut out. No communion with other believers and no communion. With God. We read in Leviticus 13, verses 40 to 45 the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone in his dwelling shall be outside the camp. Why this harsh separation of a person inflicted with such a horrible disease was not the disease bad enough? Doesn't this seem a little bit cruel to us? But we must remember the words of our Lord to his chosen people in Leviticus 20, verse 26, where he gives them the reason for all the statutes and the laws that he had given them, including... These commands concerning the leper. Here, the covenant God says to his people, You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. God has chosen his people for himself to be his own possession. He had made a covenant with them in order to have true fellowship and communion with them. Now leprosy as a disease was unclean because it typified and was a picture to the people of the vileness, the horrific nature and abhorrence of sin and death, which were incompatible with the holiness of a perfect and good God. Anything that was unclean would hinder the covenant fellowship of the people with their holy God, and so it had to be cut off. It had to be removed from his presence. And so we understand something the plight of the, of the plight of this man as he comes to Jesus, and also something of the audacity that he has to even approach him. He was supposed to be walking around covering his upper lip, yelling, "Unclean!" Unclean, stop, do not come near me. But he comes to Jesus in desperation. He falls on his knees imploring him and begging him, if you will, you can make me clean. He comes to Jesus with the posture of an unclean and detestable sinner like you and I in the presence of a holy God. And in the presence of this holy God, you can do nothing except cry out, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. In Mark 1, verse 28, we read that Jesus' fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. So clearly, this leper had come to know something about Jesus. He had heard all the stories of casting out demons and healings, he had come to know that there was a prophet in town who did many miracles and who taught with great authority. He knew that in Jesus was a divine power. The kind of power that was in Elijah and Elisha. He knew that he had a power and authority authority to bring healing and to clean an unclean leper like himself. There is no doubt that he knew that Jesus could heal him. And yet, he was not so sure that Jesus was willing to heal him. How often do we not come before Christ just as this man, knowing that he is able to cleanse us, knowing that he has the power to forgive our sins? How often do we not behold the work of our Savior as we hear it preached In the proclamation of the word each Sunday, as we see it with our eyes and taste it with our mouths in the Lord's Supper, the precious body and blood of the Lord Jesus broken and poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. How often do we not behold the work of our Savior, but instead of looking to Christ in faith, looking outside of us to the redemption that he has accomplished for us, by his death on the cross, we are Stuck looking at ourselves. Instead of looking outward to the cross, we look at ourselves and we say, really? Do you you really think that Jesus would cleanse a sinner like you? After all that you have done, after that thing that you did, really? Do you think Jesus would cleanse you? Or maybe you you don't think that. You don't think you're so bad. But you don't think that Christ would really want to cleanse other people. You don't think Christ would want to cleanse those people beside you in the pew at church or the people outside in your neighborhood, the untouchables, those people who've done the really bad things, those people who do not seem to live a holy life. Loved our Lord, hates our sin. It is an affront to his holiness and his goodness, but he also suffered, and he died to bring us full and complete salvation. Christ has paid the ransom, and he delights to wash us clean if we come to him in repentance and faith. He does not turn us away. In Ezekiel 33 God says to his people through the prophet, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. The Lord God does not desire that anyone would perish in their sins. Christ our Lord, he hears us. He hears our pleas when we cry to him for mercy and he desires To remove our uncleanness far from us. As far as east from west extends, so far he removes our transgressions from us. And as we shall see in our second point, he also has the power and authority to do so as our great high priest. Our second point, then, the power for cleansing. The expected reaction for someone, especially for a Jew in Israel, was to run in the other direction when they crossed paths with a leper. Never mind the strong reaction of disgust that they might feel. If a Jew were to come into contact with a leper, they too would become unclean. And to make matters worse, the Jews in Jesus' day had added to the laws of Moses Stipulating that if you even came near a leper, you came within six feet of a leper, you would be considered unclean as well. But we see that this is not the response of Jesus when he comes face to face with this leper. He does not recoil in disgust. As you might well expect him to. And neither does he say, get lost, get out of my sight, you leper. No, he has An equally strong reaction, but not one of disgust, but one of sympathy and pity. In his inner being, Jesus is deeply moved with compassion for this man. And moved with so great a compassion that is characteristic of our Lord. He touches the man and he says four simple words. I will be clean. Here we have the, the son of God, the only person who could ever truly be called clean, reaching out with his hand and touching the uncleanest of the unclean. Why would he touch a leper? Doesn't Jesus know about the laws of uncleanness in Leviticus? Doesn't he know what was written in the prophet Haggai when the Lord is asking the priest about the law? And he asks If some holy meat, some holy food, were to touch some ordinary unholy food, would it make that ordinary food holy? And the priest says, no, of course not. Then the Lord asks him, if the same ordinary food would become unclean if an unclean person touched the food? And the priest says, yes. So we see in Haggai that unclean things make clean things unclean, and not the other way around. Our Lord knew the Old Testament better than anyone. And further yet, we know for a fact that Jesus did not need to touch the leper to heal him. Just following our text in Mark chapter 2, Jesus heals the paralytic with only his words. He says to him, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And the paralytic rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all. Jesus didn't touch him. And also in Luke 17, verse 12 to 14, Jesus also cleansed, cleanses a leprous person. But not only that, he heals ten lepers without touching them. He tells them to go see the priests, and as they're walking along their way, they are healed. Their leprosy leaves their bodies. So why, if Jesus can heal 10 lepers with only his words, why in our text does he touch this leper? Is he disregarding the laws of Moses? Is he disregarding Jewish custom? Well, no, not at all, as we shall see in our third point. Christ honors the law of Moses. But how is it that Jesus can touch this man full of leprosy and not himself become unclean? How is it that instead, as our text says, immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean? In order to understand that, we need to take a look at Christ's role as our priest. In our reading from Leviticus 14, verses 5 and 7, you can take a look at that if you'd like. In verses 5 through 7, he says, and the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop and dip them in the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go in the open field. Then later on in verses 19 to 20, Still, Leviticus 14, the priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering, and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus, the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. You see, a leper could only be declared clean by a priest. In the Old Testament, the priests were a kind of mediator between God and his people. They determined what was clean on the one hand and clean on the other, what was clean and unclean, so that the worship of the Lord would not be profaned, so that nothing unclean would enter the sanctuary. If a leper was to be restored into fellowship with the covenant community, so that he could again go into the sanctuary and worship the Lord, he needed a priest to declare him to be clean. But a priest is just a man. He does not have the power to make someone clean, nor can he declare someone to be clean of his own accord. It was only the hand of God that made someone clean through the means of sacrifice and atonement. First, the the man is sprinkled seven times with the blood of the bird that was killed. Then seven days later, he returns to the priest to make several offerings before the Lord. We see that with all these offerings, the priest is making atonement for the unclean man. All this is to say is that in the New Testament, as well as the Old, God takes his holiness seriously. No unclean person can come into his presence unless an offering has been made for their atonement. As the author of the letter to the Hebrews says in chapter 9, concerning the Old Testament system, indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And here we have the key to understanding our text. When Jesus touches the leper and he says, I will... Be clean. He is assuming by his actions the role of, the, of a priest. And by the fact that the leper was indeed made clean in that instant, we see that Christ is validated as a true priest. And more than that, he shows himself to be God, who alone has power to heal diseases. And from Hebrews 7, again, we also understand that Christ is a better priest than the priests under the law, because he is a priest permanently. He is a better high priest who has no need to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sin, and then for the sin of of the people, since he did this once for all, when he offered up himself. And so you see, love, that Christ was able to touch the leper and to make him truly clean, as the great high priest, He was willing to take the uncleanness of the leper upon himself. He came as the one who, in fulfillment of what was written in the prophet Isaiah, took our illnesses and he bore our diseases. All the sacrifices for purification, for atonement, even that of the leper, they pointed to Christ, the better high priest who would offer himself as a sacrifice once for all to defeat sin and death. Bearing that leper's uncleanness upon himself, Christ went to the cross to offer himself as a sacrifice for purification and atonement. By his blood, he has brought cleansing to restore his people to full communion and fellowship with God. The one who knew no sin became sin for us, to restore us to the Father. What a glorious gospel that is, that Christ took our sin and our uncleanness upon himself. That he took all of it and that he went to the cross. That He went to the cross to die as a sacrifice, to make purification for our uncleanness. And now in faith, we can draw near to God in full communion with him, we can have assurance that our hearts have been sprinkled clean with the blood of Christ. We have in our baptism the promise that the Holy Spirit would impart to us what we have in Christ, namely the cleansing from our sins and the daily renewal of our lives. Believe in Christ And trust his promises to us. That he would cleanse us and remove our sins. Trust him that Christ is able as our great high priest. He is able and willing to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just as he cleansed that leper that day somewhere in Galilee. And he will surely do it. And having received the certainty of the cleansing from our sins, we now also experience the proof of Christ's atoning work in our lives. And we shall see this in our, our third point, the proof for cleansing. So for our third point, the proof of cleansing. In light of the great mercy and grace of redemption that was shown to the leper, we would expect that he would want to go and tell everyone about it, wouldn't we? We can relate to that in our own lives, can we not? When something significant happens in your life, when you get accepted into university or you get engaged to the love of your life or you buy your first house, you want to tell people about these things. And although we clearly see that this is the response of the leper in the last verse of our text, that is not what Jesus had intended for him. Instead, Jesus sternly charges him saying, say, see that you say nothing to anyone. And then he sends him away. Why is that? Why would Jesus not want him to go out and to tell the whole world about this good news? Well, our Lord did not want him to go around spreading a message to everyone that there was a miracle worker in town. He did not want people to have a false sense of who he was as the Messiah. As some kind of revolutionary miracle worker who would free them from the grip of Roman rule and he would take charge and free them from their oppression. A belief in that kind of Messiah was not a true faith that could endure the difficulties of discipleship. It is the kind of half-faith that balks at the idea that the Son of God had to suffer and die on the cross. It is a half-faith in the power of a Messiah removed from the necessity of the Messiah's suffering and death on account of sins. It is a half-faith that revels in the power of God to heal diseases and to cast out demons. But it is not a faith and a holy and a righteous God. A God who provides the sacrifice necessary for the removal of sin by sending his one and only son to die in our place. Jesus had not come as a miracle worker. He had come as a preacher of the gospel of God. His miracles were to be signs that accompanied his preaching to demonstrate that he Had authority he came with the authority of God because he was the son of God and that is why Jesus does not want the cleansed leper to go around spilling the beans to everyone about what he had just done instead he tells him to show himself to the priest and to make an offering that was required in the law of Moses in Leviticus 14. This demonstrates the respect that Jesus had for the Mosaic Law. As he says elsewhere, he had not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. We can also see the mercy of Christ here in that he did not just cleanse the man and send him on his way. But he sends him to go to the priest. To bring proof for them. So that he could be declared clean. Officially he could be declared clean by the priest and restored into the fellowship of the covenant community. The Lord Jesus wants him to go to the priest, yes, to be declared clean, as we just said, but there's also more to it than that. As we know, the former leper was already cleansed by the authoritative word of Christ, the high priest. He was cleansed by the one who would offer himself up as a sacrifice for atonement. And so we see that the offering that he was to bring to the sanctuary of God was not an offering of purification and atonement, but an offering of worship. This man had been cleansed, he had been restored to the communion with God, and what is the proper response for such a restoration, for such a redemption, what is an appropriate response of faith? It is to worship. To worship the Lord with gifts and offerings. What grace we have received in being cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And so let us respond to that cleansing with a sacrifice of thanksgiving. A sacrifice of obedience to his word. Unfortunately, this is not the response of the leper. From all accounts, it does not appear that he went to the temple to worship the Lord. No, this man cannot be commended for his zeal. For it is clear from his actions that he deliberately disobeyed the words of Jesus. We can see this in our text. There's a stark contrast between Jesus saying, tell absolutely no one. And what we read in verse 45, the leper went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. And there is also something of an, an irony here. The word used for this man's running off at the mouth translated talk freely in our text is the same verb used for Christ's own preaching in verses 38 to 39. And so we see that Christ's Proclamation of the gospel of God, his calling all people to repent and to believe in the gospel, the preaching of Christ was overshadowed by the zealous preaching of a disobedient man. And the result of this man's preaching was that Jesus was celebrated as a miracle worker. His fame spread far and wide. So that half of Galilee was showing up to get a piece of the action. And Christ's ministry was overshadowed by two negative results of the celebrity status. First, he could no longer go to the desolate places to be by himself, to pray to his father as he did in verse 35. Everywhere he went, people came to find him. And secondly, he was no longer able to publicly enter a town. Christ could not go into the towns to preach in the synagogues. He could not preach as he said he had come to do. For so many people wanted to see what Jesus could do, the miracles he could perform for them. And so he was hindered from doing what he had actually come to do, to call people to repentance and faith. But brothers and sisters, what shall we take from this? For one thing, our text makes it clear that the leper's response is not given to us as an example for us to follow. For his actions are not presented as a response of faith. We should not also take from that, however, that a response of faith does not involve proclaiming the testimony of Jesus Christ to the world. It certainly does include that. But we must not hinder the ministry of Christ by believing and preaching half a gospel or by living a life of half obedience to Christ. And so let us not present to the world half a Christ, a a Christ who is a miracle worker, the Christ of your fancy, the Christ that you like, the the Christ of self-improvement. The Christ who is there to make your life better and to bring or to put away your struggles and your diseases. Yes, Christ is able to do that, but that is not what he had come to do. That is not who Christ is. Rather believe and testify to Christ as he reveals himself in his word as our great high priest who in fulfillment of the Old Testament priesthood came to offer himself as a sacrifice once for all time, who came so that his blood might be poured out on the cross for the complete forgiveness of sins, poured out for our cleansing and for our purification. Beloved, our high priest does not turn away the weak and the lowly, he does not turn away unclean sinners like you and myself. No, his compassion is as deep as the ocean. Christ is willing to reach out and to touch unclean sinners like you to restore you to the Father. And as the sacrificial lamb, his blood was shed. For you to cleanse you and to make you pure and white as snow yes indeed worthy is the lamb for sinners slain to receive blessing and honor and glory forever and ever amen Let us come before our God in prayer. Our heavenly God and Father, we come before you a second time this morning and give you thanks. We give you thanks, O Lord, for your glorious gospel of grace. That we can read your word and understand it and to hear it proclaimed and be reminded of the work of our Savior. Lord, we thank you that you do not leave us in our sin. We hear your law and we recognize that we break all of your commandments and we know that we are unclean in your sight. We know that in your presence, the holy covenant God, we cannot stand. But yet, Lord, you have given us a high priest... You have given us a high priest who does not need to make sacrifice for his own sins because he was perfect. He lived in perfect obedience to your law. He suffered during all the time that he lived on earth, but especially on the cross. He suffered and died as a sacrificial lamb. And Lord, we thank you that he also, though he was tempted... He was put to shame. He was tempted by the devil and by those around him to put off his office as our our high priest. He was tempted to not go to the cross. He was tempted to sin so that he could not be the sacrificial lamb. And yet, he remained obedient so that he could be the lamb without blemish and without spot, the lamb who is slain and whose blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we thank you for our Savior and our high priest. We thank you for the assurance of salvation that we have that by his work alone, we have cleansing and purification and we can come before you in your presence. We can come before your throne of grace and worship and in prayer and we can offer to you sacrifices of thanksgiving. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that you would cleanse us from our sins of this past week, our sins also of this morning. Lord, you know our hearts and our minds. You know how impure they really are. So often we hide our sin. So often we do not even know the depths of our own sin. But you, Lord, you know them all. You are the God who searches hearts and minds. You are the God whose eyes rove to and fro throughout the earth. You see all creatures. Nothing is hidden from your sight. But Lord, this does not give us fear and anxiety for we know that you see us as your precious children washed and clean And Lord, we thank you for so great a salvation. We ask that you would accept our prayers and our praises that we bring. We ask that you would accept also the the works that we do in thankfulness to you. And we ask that you would also grant us your spirit. Help us, Lord, to walk in this new life that we have. Help us to walk as people who have been cleansed and purified and sanctified so that we might live a life of thankfulness to you a life of worship, a life of obedience to your covenant demands. And Lord, when we fall short, help us also to be assured that our high priest has covered all our sins, and that he now sits as your, at your right hand as our advocate, that he is constantly before your throne interceding for us. And Lord, we thank you That we can also come and worship you together here. We thank you for this congregation of believers. We thank you for the fellowship that we have with each other. We thank you for our common faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask that you would help us, Lord, to build each other up. To use your word and to read your word and study it together. And also to... Hold each other accountable to admonish one another if necessary. But always doing so in love. That we would love one another as you have loved us. Lord, we ask that you would also be with the church, your church in the world. With the persecuted church all over the world. Lord, we know there are so many of your people who undergo persecution and and torment for their faith in you Lord we do not understand the suffering that they go through for so often we do not have threats against our lives for believing in you but Lord help us to remember your people in our prayers and we ask that you would be near to them that you would relieve their suffering if it is your will But most of all, Lord, we ask that you would grant them the peace and assurance that they are suffering not for their sake, but for yours. They are suffering on account of what they believe. They are suffering because they believe in you, the God who created the heavens and the earth. The holy God who in his wrath against sin will punish evildoers. The holy God who sent his son into the world to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, help them to hold fast in this faith. And to know that their suffering is not in vain. Lord, we ask also that you would be with your church here in Canada. We do not face so intense persecution, Lord, but we also feel the pressures of our culture around us. The pressures of ungodliness. The pressures of... Ideologies that raise themselves against you and against your word. And Lord, we feel that it is difficult to live in these times. It is difficult to live in times when so many people around us hate you. Hate your word. They hate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to live in this world to be a light of the gospel, to be a witness and a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we would testify to the world of you and what you have done and that if it is your will, Lord, many would believe and turn to you in repentance and faith. And so, Lord, as we continue this day of rest and worship, We ask that you would give us hearts and minds that are focused and trained on you. That we would not be distracted by the cares of this world, but that we would seek to find our rest and our satisfaction in you. That we would seek to come to know you more and more from your word and that by your spirit also we would become more and more conformed to the image of your son, our Lord and Savior.